Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. And if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to get right into the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. My dad spoke this morning out of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is such a great book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. And it says this. When you have, your, when you have it, can you say amen? Amen. All right. And it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and from by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from who the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly making makes the body work I'm sorry makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love amen I've entitled today's message the art of building a couple weeks ago God spoke this word to me I was in the car I don't does God ever speak to you in like random places right sometimes for me it's it's the car and I'm driving and I had this thought and then that thought became a bigger thought and that thought became a bigger thought and that thought became a sermon. And so I went home and I, I wrote it down because I wasn't going to preach last week. For, for those of you who were here last week, um, I had the pleasure of, of co-preaching for the very first time with my wife, Melissa. And uh, a lot of you, I, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go last week because it was very different, but a lot of you expressed some uh, some, some, some good vibes for that, for that message. And, and, um, so we'll be sure to, to do it again. I was, I fell in my, I fell in love with Melissa all over again. I was like, dang, who is this woman again? Right. And, uh, man, she's, uh, she's anointed. I believe, and I don't just say that because I'm her husband. Um, I, I, I felt something when, I, when we were going, when we were practicing our, our best sermon, we were kind of rehearsing it. She would say something and, I, I, I felt like such a like such a girl, man. I felt like my mom sometimes. Every time I preach, my mom's crying, uh, <laughs> and I felt like when she was when, when we were working on our sermon together, I had some moments of like tears kind of falling. I was just so proud of, of my wife. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so because I wasn't able to to, to speak last week um, on this on this topic, I went home right away and I wrote it down. Melissa said something last week. Uh, she said that when God gives you a word, you should write it down. Because we're so quick to forget all the time, right? We're, we're humans and, and, and we forget even uh, God's word. But God's word is so important, so impactful for our lives that when we get a word from God, we should do our, do, we should do our best to treat it with love and nurture and care. So we go and, and, and we write it down because we don't want to forget what God said to us. So I, want, I wrote down this word. I want to share it with you today. The Apostle Paul here, he's talking about unity. And he's talking about building. And he really drives home his point in the first few verses of this chapter where he says this. I don't think I have it up there, but it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 
with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager. He says eager. Someone say that with me. Eager. Eager. Only a few people said it. Okay. Eager. Some, some of y'all are like, Pastor Ryan, he's always trying to get me to repeat stuff. I'm going to keep doing it, okay? We're going to build a culture where the, the church repeats something together. Okay, anyways. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's what he says. That's why I want y'all to say it together. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says there is one body, there is one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What is he saying there, church? He's saying we're one. We're one body. And we're, we're working together in the kingdom of God for one purpose that is not from the pastor. It's not from the leaders. It's not from the deacons. It's not from the members. It's from Christ who is the head. And the mission of the church has always been to draw people in closer to God so that they may become a part of God's kingdom. That is the mission of the church. Can you agree with that? If you read your Bibles, then you better agree with that because that's, it's right there. That is the mission of the church, to bring in people, to show them the glory of God so that they may become members of this same body. So the question is this, if we have the same mission all across the world, churches share this same mission given by Jesus, why is it so, why is it so difficult to stay united? Why is there so much division? Why can't we build and work together in the kingdom of God? I have two theories. One is because maybe you're among those who have lost sight of the mission. Some people have been in church for such a long time, man, they don't even remember why they come anymore. You, don't, you, you know, it's just what you do. So what you do, you've been doing ever since your mom has been taking you to church. You, just, you come to church because that's what you do on Sundays. And if you miss on Sunday, then you're not keeping the, 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 the Sabbath holy, which, which is technically not the Sabbath was on Saturday. And it didn't, anyways. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's something that you've always done. But maybe you've forgotten about the mission. You've forgotten about the Great Commission. You've forgotten that you were called, church, you were called to make disciples. You weren't called to be a disciple your entire life. We got some Christians that have been disciples forever. But there's a point where where you have to turn around because you've reached a certain level of maturity and you go out and you make disciples. Your attendance here is tied to a mission. Your faith is tied to a mission. So that's, that's reason number one. Reason number two could be because Maybe you're among those who, who think there's only one method of accomplishing the mission. And so everything that goes contrary to, to your opinion is wrong. And you, you, know, you know there's a mission, but it can only be accomplished your way. And so if, if someone does something that's contrary to the way that you think uh, that it should be done, then, then you criticize and, and you divide. Either way, if you belong to either of these camps this morning, church, let me tell you, you've already messed up. And Jesus is looking for a united body. That's what he's looking for. I, I imagine Christ wants to return to a bride who's got a good head on her shoulders. You know, I, I had this friend who used to say, man, if I, if I really want to get married, I, I got to stop messing around with these younger girls, man, because none of them are, you know, none of them know what they want. They, they're all over the place. They're, they're, they come with all this drama and they're a mess and they're not ready for a real relationship. I want someone who's got their life figured out. And I imagine Jesus is just waiting for his bride to grow up and see that we're serious and then come back for us. 
Because think about it, man. If, if Jesus comes back today, what is he coming back to? He's coming back to a church that, that preaches one message over here and a completely different message over here. He's coming back for a church that, that can't get along and there's all this drama and people are always hopping to different churches like rabbits and, 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 and no one wants a real relationship with him. Everyone wants just Sunday morning brunch and then they're good for the rest of the week. This is a, this is a tough word. But that's what he would come back to if he came today. And so we've got a little bit of work to do. And this passage here in, in Ephesians, Paul provides a, a very step-by-step manual of, of how we get there. And I want to go through three points that I've kind of extracted from this passage. And I want to share with you. This is a very, it's a very didactic type of message today, uh, more of a teaching. But I, I, I want to encourage you to grasp um, these, these three points. I want to go back to verses 11 and 12. And he says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What do all these things have in common, church? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds. What do they all have in common? They're all people. They're positions occupied by people. And that's the first point this morning. People. The Holy Spirit gave the church people to equip people. Problem is, maybe, maybe you don't like people. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not a people person because people come in all different shapes and sizes and they all have different opinions and, and sometimes they choose to express those opinions and they go contrary to, to your way of thinking and, and, and you don't like everybody so you just think it's best to not deal with people. But let me tell you, you can't not deal with people in the body of Christ because the body of Christ is comprised of people. So if you don't want anything to do with people in the church, you're kind of saying you don't want anything to do with the church because people and the church are synonymous. There's people who don't like to come to church because they don't like the people in the church. <laughs> Maybe you have one of those friends and, and they say, you know, I'm not going to go to church. I'm just going to watch online, you know. No offense if anyone's watching online. No, no offense. You know, obviously, we, we've set up, you know, this, this streaming uh, this, this way of still being a part of the service if, if you can't be here because we want those who truly want to be here but can't make it to still, in a sense, be present. But if your main source of doing church is via Facebook Live because you'd rather not deal with the actual people in the church, you've kind of missed the point. See, Jesus died for these people in the church. They matter to Jesus. They should matter to us. And there's a difference between being connected. I want you to get this. There's a difference between being connected and being united. You can be connected to something without being united. See, I, I charge my phone what seems like mo- so many times a day because I feel like I'm always running on less than 20%. Like it could be 11 a.m. and I need a, I, I need a charge. So I'm always trying to find a charger to, to get my phone back to where it needs to be. So I connect my phone to the power source to give me the boost that it needs. But God didn't call us to be connected to the power. He called us to be integrated with the power. Did you get that? You're like, wait, elaborate, Pastor. Okay, I'm going to elaborate. Say, say I say a prayer for something that I, uh, one of my, one, one of the needs that I have, that prayer will connect me to the power source. If I come to church 
and I get a secondhand experience and, and I'm taking notes and, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading the word because it's up here on the screen. That's, that's connecting me in a way to the, to the power source. But the word of God says something very powerful. He says that the, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Now, that can only be true if God is in that man because righteousness does not exist apart from, man, from God. So, so God and man must be united together, not simply connected. There's always going to be more power in the source of the power than there will be if you simply connect to it. And the same is true about church. Maybe you're connected to the church because you know of a church. You have some friends that go to church. You stop by every once in a blue moon and you check in to Facebook like you do this often. That's not unity. That's connection. And while being connected to the church is good, it's better to be integrated with the church because Jesus is coming back for the church, not the church's friends. Not the, not the Facebook friends of the church. He's coming back for the church, the bride of Christ. Don't just be connected, be integrated. Paul says, in the church, you have apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, all of whom have the task of equipping other people in the church to carry out the greater mission so that you're able to grow and learn and work and and get experience so that together we can build. Church, if you intend to build, you need people to help you build. So that's the first point. Second point is this. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So the second point is process. Process. Before I can begin to build, I have to undergo a certain process. When I started learning to play the piano, it was cool because I was, I was hearing myself play songs that I never could do before, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it was cool watching my fingers and my hands do things that they could never do before I was learning the piano. It was really cool. It was a cool experience. And I remember I, I, was, I was taking lessons and uh, I got a chance even to play at church on one of the youth nights that we had and I just felt so alive, you know. I felt like I had arrived and I was like three months into my learning and I was already recruiting people to start a band. And of course, none of the true musicians took me seriously enough to, to be recruited. So I had to go to some of my other friends who were just learning an instrument too. I was like, Hey, you guys want to start a band? They're like, yeah, we can be awesome. I remember our first practice. We had it here at church, man. We thought we were on our way to the Grammys, man. We're, we probably, we're, we're probably terrible. But we were so excited because it was something new and, and it was a new experience. And we were just ready to, to go all the way. And I see a lot of that same type of enthusiasm in the church. When a person comes to Christ for the first time, they, you know, they want to be connected. They want to be a part of the community and they want to be put to work right away. And I love it. If that's you, come to me. Ask me what you can do because there's plenty to do. I love that. We need, we need all the hands that we can get. But sometimes, sometimes, brand new Christians are like, Pastor, let me preach. <laughs> and I, I don't want to judge them, but I, you know, in my head, I, my first question is like, 
do you know the scripture? <laughs> you know, uh, or may, maybe you do know the scripture, but maybe your character is still undergoing some some development. And if I get you up there and you're preaching, it, it might look bad for the pastor who allowed you to take the mic. And sometimes, sometimes I know that some people are so fired up to just be doing something, but they, they, they give it two, three weeks, and then they're done because they, they didn't have enough time to, to get rooted in the proper foundation. Before you can build others up, you have to be built up. And that, that is a process that so many of us don't like to, to go through. We, we get in the game and, and, and we're ready to just, you know, give everything. I'm ready to work. But there's some elements that need to be worked out in you first. You've got to put in a little bit of time and, 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 and get some growth and learn. Now, this isn't to say that you'll ever be perfect, but you'll have reached a level of maturity. Man, I've seen people in the church mature in Christ, mature in the faith. And, and you don't get attitudes with people anymore over every little thing. You're, you're past that. You don't let those little comments and criticisms from people get to you so easily. You've come to expect that. You don't quit after a few tries because you know that that perseverance is key. And so Paul is speaking right here in these verses. He's speaking of a process that takes us out of our childlike nature into one of maturity and sustainability. That's what he's talking about. Why? Because children can't build things that last. If an 11-year-old kid came up to you and said, hey, you want to invest in my business? What would you say to him? I'm not talking about a lemonade stand. I'm talking about like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I want to do something, something big, something, you know, something that, that's, that's going to reach the world. And, and, and you probably would say, well, that's Man, that's great. You know, I, I support you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give you all the, all the resources that you need. But you're probably going to say, now is not the time for me to invest my hard-earned money. Why don't you take a few years and, 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 and gain a little bit of knowledge and, 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 and go get, get some experiences. Maybe get a little bit of education on, on the subject because you know that they are still undergoing a process of maturity. And like we said last week, our job as a church, our job is to equip these people uh, who are still in this process of maturing by teaching them, by leading them, by being an example to them. That's our job as prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors. We are to guide them to maturity. But let me say this. There comes a time where if you are in that process of maturity, there comes a time where you have to grow up. There is a time that you have to stand up and start getting to work. You can't be drinking milk forever. You, 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 you passed a certain stage so that now you can begin discipling others. And you've got some girls in the church, man, that they use some nasty language, man. They like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. man. God is still, he's still working on me. I'm, I'm such a mess. God is still working on me. And I, I hear that. I'm like, dude, God, God doesn't need 13 years to work on a language problem. Like, that's, that's not God. That's, that, that's you choosing to be stuck in the, in, in the same place. I've been, I've been telling Layla, I had been telling Layla that she needed to buy a new bike. Um, well, not she needed to buy a new bike, but I needed to buy a new bike for her because she, the one that she had, she had outgrown it. And she was so comfortable with it because it was, it was, you know, it was small and, and, and she could 
she was pretty fast on it. Like she'd go pretty, uh, pretty fast and I'd have to run to catch up to her. But we're getting to the point where her, her knees started touching the handlebars. And, and, and so I, I had been telling her for like past three months, Layla, let's, let's go buy you a new bike. Um, and most kids are like, yes, buy me a new bike. But she's different. I don't know what's wrong with her. She's like, no, I don't want a new bike. I'm fine with the one that I have. And so I, I should have been praising God because, look, I, I, can, I can save money. But, like, I want her to grow up. I want her to, to get out of that comfort zone. So a couple weeks ago, I, I took her to Academy. I didn't tell her what we are going to do. I just I, I said, Daddy's got to go buy something. And I take her, and, and we pass by the bikes, and, and, and she sees this, this pink one with streamers on the handlebars and you know, white, white tires. And she's like, Daddy, I want that bike. And my, my plan worked. And I get her on it, and she starts riding in a little bit. And the joke was on me, though, because I, I ended up buying, like, a basket and, like, <laughs> a new helmet and a bunch of other junk that she wanted. Uh, and so then we take her to the park, and I, I'm teaching her. I, I love it. I, I wanted to have this moment. Melissa wasn't there. She was, she was out, and it was just me and, me and my daughter. I was teaching her how to ride her big girl bike. And, and you know, I, in my head, I was thinking, man, we're going to make lasting memories. It's going to be so awesome. And, and it... We got to the park, and she was getting the hang of it, but it was definitely a lot harder for her because she couldn't get started. She couldn't, she couldn't get that first you know, step in, into where she gets rolling, so I have to kind of push her, and Layla's very stubborn. She doesn't want my help, so she's like, no, don't do it, but then she starts throwing a fit when she can't do it, and so she starts crying, and she's like, oh, I don't, I don't like this bike. I want my old bike, and I, I'm real with Layla. I'm like, Layla, I'm throwing that bike in the trash. And she's like, no, but I'm like, because like you, you got to grow up. You can't be in the same level forever. You've, you've, un, you underwent that process and now it's time to, to mature. And in our faith, it's the same way. The process of maturity, it shouldn't take a lifetime. If it took a lifetime, there would be no mission to fulfill because the whole mission would become about me becoming mature. And that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus gave us he gave us a means. He gave us people so that we can go through this process of maturity and then we can get to our purpose, which is my final point. Purpose. You're still with me, right? Amen. Verse 15 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That last point right there, that's the purpose right there. That's the purpose, to grow the body, to build the body, to edify the body. Verse 15 begins by saying, speaking truth and love. I want you just to reflect on those two words and and just keep them so close to your heart. Because when it comes to edification, this is the formula for it. Truth and love. Let me preach real quick. I made a decision a few years ago to, uh, it was a conscious decision. I said, Ryan, from this moment on, you're going to start trying to find the best in people. You're going to try to to look for the the most good in people and then you're going to try to celebrate that good. Because it's so easy to find the bad. We all have bad. We all have ugly. We all have real ugly, right? We all, we all have that. But there's a lot of good qualities in people that I want to try to be 
conscious and intentional about celebrating because that encourages people to continue doing those good things. But edification, I want you to hear this. Edification isn't always just about celebrating the good. It's not. And I kind of thought that it was. When I would speak about edification, I would say, hey, you, you, want, you want to encourage people. You want to, you want to celebrate the good in people. You want to, you want to make them feel in, you know, in, important and celebrate them. But edification isn't always about celebrating the good. And I realized that when this word came to me, because the, 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 the key verses here are truth and love. Sometimes you're trying to speak to someone in a loving way because you want to be nice and you want to be kind, but you're not being genuine. And because you're not being genuine, there's no truth to what you're saying. So you might tell someone, oh, you sang so good today. But in your mind, you're like, she should never sing again. It's going to do damage to the kingdom of God, right? And, and, and so you're telling her this and you're saying, hey, you did such a good job. And maybe you're edifying her, but you're edifying her in a place where she was never meant to, to be working in. That's where the truth aspect comes in. And the same way can be said the other way around. Maybe you're speaking truth into someone. And you're telling them something that they need to hear, but you're doing it in a way that is destructive and it's not going to build. People have this false construct, I think, of what edification looks like. And I, I had it for a very long time. You know, when, when people think about edification, what do we think about? We think about building up, right? And that, that's, that's really what it is. It's about building each other up so that we build the kingdom of God. But I want you to think about that for a moment. When, you, when you're building something like a structure, building doesn't always require you to build from the ground up. Sometimes you're going to be building on a pre-existent foundation with pre-existent framing and, and, structures, uh, and structures. Sometimes that's what building looks like. So, so now all of a sudden, not every facet of edification feels good because sometimes you've got to tear down before you can build up. And that's where love comes in. Because you might have to, you know, you might have to take some things away before you can begin to, to build them up. And, and that hurts. That hurts. When someone comes up to you and they give you a, a word of truth and they do it in a loving way, sometimes so many of us are, get on the defensive. Like, what do you mean? But you don't understand that they're, they're trying to, to edify you. Let me put it to you like this. Uh, many of you know that, you know, we've, for the past year or so, we've, we've uh, been flipping some houses. And every house that we get into is, is already done on a pre-existent foundation with a pre-existent structure and there's everything there. We're not building houses from the ground up. And we get to some of these houses, man, and they are tore up from the floor up, man. Like, they are terrible. Like, you wouldn't believe how some people choose to live. And, and we go in to see some of these houses. I've taken Layla plenty of times, and Layla hates going into these houses because she had a, a terrible experience once with a few dead insects in and, and, and the restroom. And, and um, it just scared her to death, and now she doesn't like going anymore. We, st- we still have to take her. Um, so I try to have my fun with her. <laughs> Every time we go into a, a new house, I'm like, hey, Layla, welcome home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she looks at me with this like death stare because these houses are, are, are in terrible condition. They're ugly. There's mold everywhere. There's dead insects. The, the roof is caving in. There's holes in the, in the, in the wall. And, and, 
And so that's how, that's how we buy these houses in ugly condition, but it doesn't mean that there's not any hope. And so when we, when we buy them, if we buy them, we start knocking down walls. I don't, I don't knock down anything. My, my dad and his crew does everything, <laughs> but, but they start tearing down the walls and tearing down the framing. They're cleaning up mold and they're ripping things out that are really old and that don't belong anymore. And at, at first glance, it seems more destructive than it does constructive. And edification is the same way because sometimes people will come with some walls that need to be torn down and their ways of thinking need to be shattered and built up again. And there's some deep cleaning that needs to happen in their life. So at first it hurts because it doesn't, it doesn't look like edification. It doesn't feel good. And it doesn't feel like your words are trying to, to edify me. And when people come to you and they bring you truth in a loving way, it's still not enough because we tend to be more my kingdom minded before God's kingdom minded. And so we get offended. We say, who are you to tell me that I need to be like this? Who are you to, to talk to me like that? And we fail to realize when done in the right way, someone's words can be edifying, even if it's not flattering. But if we want to reach the purpose, church, which once again is to make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, we have to learn what it takes to build something. One, one final story, and, and I'm done. Have Will come up. Uh, I, remember, I remember when we were, uh, we were renovating our, our house, the one that we were living in, so that we could sell it. We wanted to get the, the most that we could get for it. And Layla had the hardest time. Um, because that was the house that, you know, she, she had spent the first three years of her life in and, and, uh, she had all her toys there and she was used to everything. Layla doesn't really like change. We were coming to learn and the workers, they would go in when we first started renovating, they would, they were ripping out the countertops. They took out some of the vanities in the restroom and, and Layla couldn't understand why they were doing this. She, uh, she saw one of the bathroom vanities. I remember one home we were coming. One night we were coming home and uh, I, I took her out and I was still getting some things in my car. And, and all of a sudden I hear this loud scream from Layla. And she, she, she screams and she points. She's like, ah! And, I, and I, I turn around and she starts crying and she's pointing. And I think I'm going to turn around and, and find like a dead body there. And it's, it's the bathroom vanity. And she's like, why did they do that? Why did they take it out? And, and I'm like, Layla, you, you need to understand. I, I, I didn't tell her this, but like... She needs to understand, or she didn't understand, that there is a process to building something. There is a process that, that sometimes it requires you to tear down, and sometimes it, it requires you to take out before you can make it better. But you do that because you're trying to get to a certain place, and that's to our purpose. Church, we are a body of people working together through a process so that we can grow God's kingdom to get to our purpose. I invite you this morning to embrace this mission, man. Embrace this passage of scripture and live by it. This is the formula uh, for, for, for building God's kingdom, but it takes a united body. It takes a united people to build in the kingdom of God.
And church, I challenge you this morning. Once again, this was a very, more of a didactic type of sermon. I just, it, it was on my heart and I felt like, man, I, in an age where there was so much division and we let so many things come in between human relationships, I think we need more reminders that we are one body working together. We're not different people working in, 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 the, same, in the same body. God, Jesus calls us his bride, his bride. So that means we have work to, to do together to build in the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.